Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, games that respect your time. Uh, I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by all my awesome co-hosts, Laura J. Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing fantastic. Love the shout-out to the J. It's, you know, it's a good middle initial. Uh, I've got a J in my name, too, but I won't specify where. Uh, Shane oh. Kelly, how are you doing today, Shane? J-rific. <laughs> and Nate Heininger, how are you doing, Nate? Uh, hold on just a second. Um, look introduction. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Help. Yes. Help. Help. About. As implied, we are talking some more about IF Comp, the Interactive Fiction Competition 2016. This is our second episode covering the games of IF Comp 2016. Our last one was, uh, when you're hearing this, probably the episode before last. Uh, We're going to be doing maybe as many as... A hundred. Yes, several dozen of these uh, between now (laughs) and the conclusion of the competition. Um, And uh, if you missed the last one, I'd recommend maybe listening to that one first. But to give a very brief recap, uh, IF Comp is a interactive fiction competition. Interactive fiction being a really fancy name for text-based video games. And IF Comp runs every year. This year there were 58 entries. Awesome uh, games. (gasps) created by independent game creators and submitted as brand new works for this competition. So there are 58 totally brand new games uh, for your consideration. Um, And we're going to be talking some more about some more of the games that we've tried uh, in this year's IF comp and what our impressions were of them. Um, If you want a kind of a full picture, go back and listen to the previous episode. It would be the one before last in our feed. Uh, But um, we're going to go ahead and dive right into it. I think it may be worth noting that we are not picking any of these games out of any sort of, um, you know, preference. Really, the four of us are just selecting randomly, making sure that uh, we have a spreadsheet to cover, you know, who is talking about each game. Um, We're just grabbing a few at random, playing them, and we're going to talk about them. So there's probably some great games that we haven't hit yet, um, but we are not doing this out of any sort of preferential treatment. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, there, there are, like I said, 58 games. I, mean, I kind of picked some that looked like they were going to be cool. <laughs> we, we, we picked out of hope. We didn't just, not totally uh... random. Right? Yeah. We're playing well, the ones that, that jumped out at us. Um, but we're not by any means saying that the ones that we're playing are the best games, uh, or the ones that you should definitely play. Um, you know, we're going to just sort of report back on what we've played so far and what we thought about it. And if you have games in IF Comp this year that you've tried that we haven't talked about yet or that we don't talk about in this episode that you think we ought to check out, please let us know. We want to hear about those. So, um, you know, with 58 games, we're not going to get to them all. We want to play as many of the best ones as possible. So if you have ones that you think are particularly interesting, let us know. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'll go ahead and go first, because um, I played the most games between our last episode and this one. Um, and the first one that I was going to talk about was A Time for Tungsten by Devin Raposo. This was one that, uh, so this is a Twine game, uh, and I think we've explained what Twine is uh, more than enough times on this show, but, you know, sort of a sort of a choose-your-own-adventure style, but in this case, it's fairly linear. Uh, a Time for Tungsten is very much more on the sort of fiction or, like, hypertext narrative side rather than being, like, an adventure-y game. Um, to the, the sort of brief uh, pitch on the IF Comp page... Uh, is the walls are high, the hole is deep, she is trapped on a distant planet, watched, she may not survive, but she did live. And um, first thing I should say is this was 
probably the longest twine game I've ever played at about two hours. Uh, I know there probably are twine games that are, are you know, more weighty than that, but like that was, that's fairly long for one of these. And the way that I have comp judging works, uh, two hours is kind of the cap. You know, games can be as long as they want, but you're supposed to judge them based on their first two hours. This came right up to that two hour mark for me. Um, but I enjoyed every minute of that time. It's a story told in a very interesting kind of um, partly nonlinear, you know, very interactive fiction-y way uh, about someone trapped and presumably dying on what seems to be a distant planet. Um, but there, it has a very odd prose style, and there's actually kind of an in-narrative explanation of that that I won't spoil. Um, it does a really good job of kind of merging its... Uh, kind of unusual writing style and the fact that you're playing it in this sort of twine style with the narrative. Like there's, there's a reason for all of the things that initially seem odd uh, about the game. And I really thought this was like a tale well told. Like this was a good short story, solid writing, um, you know, interesting enough to carry me through the full two hours of playing it. So I would say this was in terms of just the twine games that I've played for IF Comp, this is definitely one of the top. Um, I haven't gotten to a point where I'm really considering like rankings yet or anything, but if you're looking for a long and involving uh, short story told using twine uh, or, you know, any other point and click style of IF that is kind of a cool science fiction story, uh, interesting characters. And one of the things that this game did really super well is sound. Um, the game is fully, hmm. uh, there's full sound throughout. You know, it's, it does a good use of, of just sort of basic twine features for like text color and so on. But really where this really stood out was that it has uh, sound throughout the entire game. There's a full soundtrack, lots of sound effects. Um, so, you know, wear headphones when you play this. I think that the soundtrack is by the author himself, Devin Raposo, and he's doing a really good sort of imitation of David Byrne. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very, um, that's all I need. Yeah. I'm yeah, you <laughs> it, it, it's, it's solid. And, and, you know, it uses a lot of like, I guess, open source, or not open source, like, uh, you know, royalty free sound effects as well to kind of build a, a sound stage for it. Um, Will Helm scream. And Interestingly enough, like it's the only Twine game I've ever played that has load times uh, because it, it and it actually does all the loading at the beginning. It has a load time. You, you when you click to start the game, if you're playing on the web, uh, you can expect it to take about a minute and a half to start because it has to download like a hundred megabytes worth of MP3s uh, in order to get started. Um, but it's really involving because of that. Like the uh, the fact that I had headphones on and was playing with the sound up um, kind of helped me get into what. I'll be honest, my attention span isn't the best and uh, a two hour twine game is something that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to, uh, to kind of get through. But the fact that it was good writing, good sound throughout, like it really kept me going. So I definitely give this a thumbs up and a recommendation. What's the atmosphere like? Well, it's, um, it kind of goes between, there's sort of a parallel, two parallel stories of, um, uh, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but there's sort of a two parallel stories of a, uh, 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 a recovery agent. I, I'm getting going to get the terms wrong, but it's, a, it's basically kind of a space uh, scrap miner um, who's uh, the tale is told, told slightly out of sequence, but uh, he or she, I'm not even sure which, uh, is kind of uh, possibly dying on a distant planet and and kind of recounting the story of their of their life, and also 
some characters who seem to be kind of outside of that story looking in, kind of reading the details of this person's life retrospectively. And um, it switches back and forth between these two styles, and uh, it has different sort of sound stages for both. So um, sometimes it feels very kind of uh, sad or contemplative. Other times it feels very active. There's alarms going off. Um, you know, lots of sound, lots of music, um, just a, a good overall atmosphere. It's interesting. Um, I, I don't know if I've, and I, and I'm the newest to interactive fiction of this group, but like you talk a lot about the sound. I, I feel like I haven't, ex- haven't run into very many games that, um, incorporate music. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Crystal Boria Kesha aside. Yeah, I think it's most common in 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 Twine games. Uh, I think the Twine tool has some built-in support for that. But um, yeah, you don't see a lot of... Par- I've never seen parser-based IF that had uh, a soundtrack. I'm not even sure that it, uh, that Inform supports it. Yeah, I don't well, it's it tricky because it's reading. And mm-hmm. so you reading is a particular type of focus that might be different than walking hacking slashing you know in a video game and also um like the timing of things yeah well the timing most of this is about setting a stage so like you know you'd have uh background music that was mostly like you know music for airports you know the the kind of uh (laughs) that style um but also sometimes you know you'd be uh, there's a lot of scenes that take place at the sort of bottom of a hole, as mentioned in the little blurb I mentioned there. Um, and, you know, you hear the the world outside that hole, you know, you hear uh, nature sounds. And so there's, um, it's mostly just sort of about setting stages. Yeah, well, I played the mouse. And the one of the interesting things about that was that the main character, um, a lot of the personality of that character was, was based on uh, like, love of music and so you're hearing music and there's there's moments where the character just sort of puts in headphones and has a reverie over the of the music she's listening to so um that that could really work for this kind of thing well why don't you tell us a little bit more about the mouse sure well the mouse is a another twine game by norbs or norbez <laughs> norbez norbez uh, yeah norbez <laughs> Um, and it has some pretty heavy subject matter. Um, the overall story is, is one about, uh, just sort of, uh, an abusive relationship, uh, between, uh, two college roommates. Um, and so it was, it was definitely an interesting one. I, this is one of those ones where I just sort of spun the dice. Uh, you don't spin dice. Uh, I rolled the dice, uh, by hitting the randomize button and I picked the first thing on the list. Um, and it's uh, it's a again with the with the heavy subject matter. It, it has some challenges. I felt like um, for me as a reader, uh, the biggest one was that although it's kind of it has some interesting things to say, uh, it starts off with virtually it really front loads a lot of reading before any kind of interactivity or choice, uh, and that's maybe that's a personal taste issue. Uh, but when it comes to interactive fiction, um, if like I spend more time um, right up front, uh, just just reading, than I do, you know, feeling like I have a say uh, in the story, uh, then that's kind of a that's kind of an issue for me. Um, 
I don't know if maybe that's a stylistic thing. The, the, the main character in this, which was, I thought was the most interesting part uh, of the writing, uh, or most realistic, was um, a, young, a young girl who's you know, you know, college-age kind of punk rock girl um, who in a lot of ways is sort of paralyzed by indecision. Uh, and I played through the whole thing twice. Uh, and in, in the first time, the, the main choices that you get as a player... Um, revolve around uh, kind of whether or not you'll reach out to friends uh, or to a specific friend about the fact that she's being abused. Uh, and so I tried playing this in a couple of different ways. And in the, at the, 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 the playthrough where I felt like I actually really had control of the narrative uh, was the one where you do go ahead and reach out uh, to those people. Uh, but in the second playthrough, I, I tried to play it um, in such a way that I was going to try to avoid uh, the abuse, but it did not work. She, the main character really kind of feel, feels trapped, and, and then you as the player kind of go along. Um, so all in all, I thought this was a it was interesting. Uh, one of the neatest things about it is it's very fully illustrated. There's hmm. lots of, of, um, of pictures. Uh, so that's something for it. And also the use of music I thought was really nice. Um, the uh, things I would say were maybe areas for improvement on this. Uh, the supporting cast I didn't of, of characters I didn't feel like was particularly nuanced. Um, the, the, the main character, especially in contrast to the main character who I thought, who thought very, very much was. Um, the, every, everyone else uh, kind of seems to exist to either... Uh, just sort of be a be a shithead, shithead, or uh, push the main character towards or away from the shithead. So, uh, all in all, I thought it was it was an interesting read. Um, maybe not something that I would put high on my recommendations list, but it's it's definitely uh, a, a unique, interesting entry. I didn't play anything nearly as heavy. Um... So I guess I can awkwardly transition into a conspiracy shoe-oriented story. <laughs> <laughs> awkwardly. Um, I, I, I really want to play this one. I'm glad you played it. Yeah, I, I played a game called The Shoe Department, and it's by Aquanet. And it's also a twine game, um, and it is a conspiracy, mind-control, teenage job-suck game. Basically, you play a teenager who has to get their first job. Um, his parents work in the defense department. They force him to get a summer job. And you start off uh, just clocking in at this terrifyingly large labyrinth. S- labyrinth? Let me take that. <laughs> labyrinth. Yeah. I was trying to say labyrinthian, but then I thought that sounded arrogant and I stopped halfway through the word. Okay. You want to elaborate on that? Yes. <laughs> nice. So you start off the game clocking in at the uh, giant department store, uh, which name escapes me, and you start trying to get to the shoe department, and it's in the most ludicrous spot, you know, down staircases and through elevators and past the clothing department and all this crazy stuff. And you finally get there, and um, there's this old lady in a shopping cart full of heavy boxes, and um, that's the first mystery of Distolf is... What are these odd boxes? There's weird things going on. Um, you start uncovering a huge conspiracy that you would never expect. Um, and, you know, the really fun thing about this is the puzzles are light and fun. Um, 
and full of weird objects, which I always appreciate, uh, kind of Day of the Tentacle style, where you're like, oh, yeah, you do this weird thing with this thing, and it works. But it's a lot easier, since it's twine, and you don't have to worry about what's clickable. Um, there's also a great waiting mechanic, where um, it'll show a sentence, pause a little bit, show the next sentence, pause a little bit. So when it's trying to say that you know, a teenager waiting for, you know, the time to clock in, you just have to sit until the time on the clock changes to the next minute and you can punch in, you know, so they really do a good job of there. timing. Yeah, exactly. They, they make you try to feel it by timing out the twine stuff, not letting you take a next step. Um, so very lighthearted, silly, but, um, I played it all the way to the end. I really enjoyed it. And, um, it is the kind of conspiracy theory that if you were 15, you might think up. We're like, oh, yeah, and this is all happening, and then this <laughs> happening, and it just kind of spirals out of control. So although I would never um, – if this was in a movie, it would definitely be like a Disney Channel movie because the plot goes completely off the rails. But it's so <laughs> appropriate to the genre that I was in. That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Definitely. And I think a lot of it's just kind of – dealing with the next surreal thing down the pipeline. Well, the first game I did was not a lot of fun. And that is what the game is trying to do. It's called uh, All I Do Is Dream. And it's by Megan Stevens. And the little tagline I keep throwing out there for this is like, Depression the Game. Um, <laughs> it's a very short maybe that's a 15. great title save that one for next year's if comp <laughs> yeah right um and, and that might not be entirely right but that's how i felt playing this game um it's maybe 15 to 20 minutes okay? long i i'm okay i've recovered <laughs> by playing the other game that i played which i'll talk about later um it's maybe 15 to 20 minutes long it's a twine game and uh so i played it entirely in the browser it was great simple uh, it is all about its prose. It is very nicely written. Uh, you play as a um, a person whose girlfriend has gone to work. She works the night shift. So you are home alone for the evening. And it's what you're going to do with yourself. But um, it's really hard to find motivation to do anything. Uh, there's dirty dishes. There's a curtain that is stained and should be washed. There's a closet that is overflowing that you've been working for weeks to uh, clean out. But, you know, it just – these tasks are insurmountable, and it's a lot easier if you just don't do them and you just sleep and pretend like it's not a problem and – it's what a lot of the game is. It's you're, you as a player attempting to do these tasks and being bogged down by the enormity of them or the, the pressure of them or your own feelings of in, you know, uh, inability to do them well. And so you give up. And so for a game like this, because it's so short, I thought it was best to actually just read a little bit of it. Um, 
just a little page of it because I think it's really nice and gives you an idea of what it's all about. So at this point, you're trying to clean the uh, closet. You're good at pushing things mostly because you have to push yourself to do anything, whether it's brushing your hair or getting a drink of water or going swimming with Evie. For that reason, you're good at pushing everything back in the closet. Winter coats that don't fit, back in. Books you'll never read, back in. Birthday cards that may or may not have writing in them, back in. And it's little blurbs like that as you try to do day-to-day things, but the, the pressure or the weight of, frankly, depression is what it feels like, um, stop you and you realize that just going back to sleep might be the the only thing that you actually can do. Uh, so obviously I, I really recommend it. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's sad, but it's something that I think uh, the written word accomplishes better than anything else. Um, and, and reading, writing like this and having the interaction that you do. Cause you know, it's kind of a game. It's like, what do you want to do? Should I try to do the dishes? And you're like, okay, I'll do the dishes. And then like, you know, you're not able to do the dishes because it's, it's too much and you just need to sit down for a while and okay, well fine. What else do you want to try to do? Well, you could clean the windows. You could go to the closet. You could try to take a nap. You know, you get the choice, but ultimately it's just, you know, you can't do anything. Um, It's sad, but I, I, I really, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think it's worth, worth checking out. Cool. Well, I played uh, a game called Sigil Reader Field uh, by Verity Virtue. And um, this one, uh, I, I really, I really, really like the concepts here. So I'll just kind of explain the world of the game and then I'll talk a little bit about the specifics of how it plays. Um, so the, the, the blurb on the IF comp page is I am a sigil reader. I work in a city where sigils are a matter of public health for a maliciously inscribed sigil could mean the ruin of a business or a soul. Except today I wake to a changed world. The sigils are distorted and the station is silent. I fear I am responsible. A short parser game about exploration, loss, and restoration. So good lead-in, right? And that's a cool concept. I I always like this sort of blending of uh, sort of real themes uh, or reality and the sort of magical world or magical realism kind of themes. This is, you know, this is a game where you are playing as a sigil reader who awakens in a police station where you work. I think it's a police station anyway. Um, and it's deserted and something has clearly gone terribly wrong. And, um, it plays a little bit like a walking simulator, quote unquote. So you're kind of exploring the station, finding objects, picking them up, examining them. Every time you uh, you pick up an object, you get a little blurb of text about what it is that your character thinks about it. There's also a uh, remember command that's kind of like – I played some other – I'm struggling to remember which I'm thinking of at the moment now. But, but uh, remember just lets you put in a name or the name of an object and try to remember things about it. And your character seems to be suffering from some mild amnesia. So sometimes you're able to remember and sometimes you're not. And sometimes if you try to remember multiple times, you might remember different things. Um, Now, that's a really cool idea. 
uh, and I I was pretty engrossed in it at first. I have to say this was a little bit unpolished. Uh, I feel like it maybe just isn't quite ready yet. Um, because I really like the concept and a lot of the, the prose was pretty interesting and involving. But first off, there were some limitations with just sort of like, for example, the remember command very often just returned nothing at all. Like it had a standard response. I don't remember exactly how it was phrased that basically meant I can't think of anything. Nothing comes to mind, that kind of thing. And even when you would try to remember something that seemed like a very concrete thing that you should at least be able to get some kind of text about nothing at all. Um, so while the remember command seemed like a really cool concept, uh, it rarely worked the way I expected it to, even in situations where it really seemed like I was supposed to try to remember something. Sometimes it wouldn't work. Um, also I wasn't able to complete it without a walkthrough. Um, I did a lot of sort of wandering around the police station and trying to find, uh, you know, stuff um, and there's a lot of very evocative, cool stuff. For example, you seem to you, you start remembering a lot of things about your colleagues, some of whom or maybe all of whom seem to be dead. And there's a lot of text that kind of indicates that you feel responsible for that. Um, and there's a lot of hints about uh, I can't remember the name now, but like a, a serial killer or a slasher that uh, you're starting to remember things about. And um, so that's very ominous, right? And I won't spoil the ending or anything, but um, I, I couldn't figure out how to progress the game after a certain point. I had explored all the rooms. I had thought I had found everything. Um, the way it, it appears to work is there's sort of an under the hood score based on what you've uh, interacted with that kind of builds oh. up to a certain point. Um, so it's kind of like if you were playing gone home and after you'd picked up X number of objects, you maxed out a score. Right. Um, and, and it's not by what you've discovered. It's by that's the what it, amount of things you've played with. Well, uh, the, the walkthrough of it kind of indicated that and I may be, I may be getting a huh. kind of a simplified view of that. So I'm not really sure. I obviously haven't like looked at the code or anything, but it seems to be that after you've reached a certain point, then, you know, of, of like, you've explored everything, then there's a new avenue open to you. But it's not an obvious one. It's not like I've discovered a locked door and now I can open that door. It's more just like once you've progressed past a certain amount of exploration, then you can go out the front door. Um, now, so I would, I have to say, like, in terms of just the game mechanics and everything, this feels pretty unpolished, but it feels really promising because of the really cool setting and the, the cool theming and everything. I, I'm, I'm totally into it, except I don't think it's as polished as some of the other stuff I've played for this year's IF comp. So I, I really want to like this. I don't necessarily, so I definitely recommend giving it a try. I'm not probably going to have it like top of my list, but it's, it's a very promising piece. It just seems like maybe it's, uh, maybe it's like an early draft or something. I think it's interesting to think about and and kind of point out the varying levels of polish on some of these games. And it makes me wonder, um, without really knowing too much about like the, the kind of like clout behind the IF comp or like its history, is like clearly some of these are like completed works. And from time to time, some of them feel like Maybe they're not done. And part of that's the charm of the IF comp. I mean, you know, there, there's a set time limit. You know, you have to submit your game uh, by X date. And, you know, they, a lot of the time you do get things that are like early versions of works that will later be refined and and released in a in a more polished form later. And that's OK. Like, I I still 
I still think there's a lot of value in playing these games as a part of kind of getting a pulse of interactive fiction and the scene as it stands. So, you know, even if there are some games here that are, uh, you know, early versions of works or are unpolished, or they might be the first work by a particular author, or, you know, just that that's, that's, there's still a lot of value in playing these games and getting a sense of, you know, the, the whole scope of interactive fiction as a scene. That said, I will say that the majority of rating systems when I've looked at people do include uh, polish as one of the major criteria. Like you can't really get above a certain point on a zero to 10 scale or one to 10 scale. Uh, you can't really get above a five. If you have a lot of bugs because they consider the game kind of unplayable. Um, and I will say that I've looked at a couple of things that I thought were interesting, did a quick search and people said it was buggy. I didn't attempt it because I knew that I'd rather spend my time uh, there's a difference between things that are unpolished, though, and things that are going to have game-breaking bugs. And I think like any game we play on short game, we'll kind of tolerate some bugs if it's okay. Like, I remember To the Moon, like, getting stuck on a horse in a corner. Oh, good God. Yeah. That was- <laughs> and, but that's not what I... 99% of the time when I remember to the moon, I'm not thinking about that horse. So, you know, a type of I've never there, forgotten that horse. We'll I will forget. never forget that horse, but it's not the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And a typo here and there, I will completely excuse. But if the rhythm or the feel is off, or if I think it just falls apart at the end, or if it's I can't accomplish what I want to, I'll think I'll think that's kind of a deal breaker. That's my personal one. Like if there's a word missing in a typo, because in Twine you click something and the word disappears, that's just a bug, and yeah. I'll kind of accept it. Yeah, a little bug here and there doesn't bother me at all. Um, and like I said, with this with this particular game with um, with Sigil Reader Field, I was so into the theme and setting, um, and even a lot of the writing that uh, like I'll, for, I'll forgive any uh, level of kind of lack of polish. I would just say that like this one is one that I feel like it would it would benefit from a second draft or some updates and maybe some expansion. And I would really like to check out what this. Uh, game looks like in a little in a little bit um but i don't think it's like top of my list this this comp yeah totally reasonable so nate what did uh what did you play so for my second game uh way more lighthearted uh than the other one i played a game called how to win at rock paper scissors which i think is a great title um, it had me right out of the gates. I was excited to give it a, a give it a try. It's a parser game, and we um, should say the author's names. That's by Brian oh, Quack Quack K W A K. I hope I'm so getting I'm that right. Quack. I have to imagine it's Quack Quack Quack. You're probably right. Not Quack Quack. Or Excuse quack. me. Apologies to Brian. Sorry, Brian. Uh, he's been dealing with it his whole life. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> ducks following him everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a parser game. It's a little. Uh, I, I like pretty from my experience, pretty standard uh, parser game. You know, you're in an environment. You can go north, south, east, west. You can look. You can examine. You can pick up. Um, but in this game, you are coming back to a rock paper scissors tournament that you seem to have lost in the past. Only this year, it's going to be different. This year, <laughs> you're going to win because this year you are going to properly pray to the gods. 
<laughs> did not expect that to be the end of the sentence. It's uh, I I this I I'm not done, but I am loving this game. So um, it, it's uh, you start out by finding out like really 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 early on, um, a guy like goes out for a fist bump. And you're able to play paper at any moment in the game. You can play rock, paper, or scissors as <laughs> as your parser input, and you will play that thing. And a guy goes in like for a fist bump, and you play paper, and he gets sucked into a vortex, and you <laughs> uh, you gain one point. <laughs> your poor fist bumping friend. It's actually a friend. It's actually it's like straight up a friend, and the game kind of forces you to. Uh, play paper um, and suck them into the vortex, which is a learning moment for how the game is going to kind of, you know, go or behave going forward. Um, it, it's one of the first things you do. And it's just so funny. And so, again, I haven't completed it. But where I am right now is in the process of finding a rock, a piece of paper, and a pair of scissors to place upon my altar to properly play <laughs> pray to the gods. I have found the rock and I have found the paper. Uh, working on finding the scissors. Uh, have you checked your desk? I well, I haven't. So your locker is where your altar is, and I got uh, the paper from a, a flyer. And there's other students, and you're walking. It's all on a. Um, it's all in like a a, a campus. So you're walking around. Um, it's very standard. Like you are in the the quad. To the north is a library. To the east is the dorm. To the south is the gym, which is where the rock paper scissors competition will be held. To the west is like a parking lot. And uh, a couple times I have duped people into accidentally uh, putting out their hands in things that represent uh, rock paper scissors, and I've sucked them into the vortex. <laughs> um, it's it's really funny. Um, it, it's not uh, – again, I'm not super experienced with this stuff, so I've had a little bit of a hard time finding these I'm very curious objects. how your player character managed to uh, survive his past attempts at, <laughs> this, uh, at this tournament. If this vortex is always hungry for rock, paper, <laughs> scissors I, losers. Must be by the will of the gods. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm anxious to finish it. Um I mean, I'm I'm maybe a half hour, forty five minutes into it, and I have to. I think I, unless it opens up a ton after finding the three pieces for the altar, I'm assuming you enter into some sort of rock paper scissors tournament, which is really why I picked it up in the first place. I was like, I like rock paper scissors. I could go for a uh, a parser <laughs> game where I'm just this strategic game is right at my alley. So. Yeah, well, I did a World of Cards tournament last time, and so I thought I'd pick another. Uh, you know, game within a game this time, and uh, it's a it's it's better than I was expecting. In that I uh, this otherworldly notion, I I did not see coming, and uh, I, I again I haven't you know I haven't finished it, but so far it it has my recommendation. That sounds uh, really funny. I really want to give that a try. Yeah. Well, and it's there's not a lot of jokes. There's mm-hmm. not like set them up, knock them down, but it's just like the situation is is really funny. That's awesome. It's sort of like absurd humor like that, that IF sometimes does better than you could really do in any other style of video game. Um, And that's that's actually a a kind of a good transition to the next game I played, um, which is a bit of an interactive fiction in joke. Uh, So I played a game called Take, 
by Amelia Panola. And um, this is a parser game. And if you've played parser games, you know that there's a sort of standard set of, of uh, commands. So, you know, the, the standard stuff, navigation, north, south, east, west sort of thing. Uh, you know, uh, uh, take lamp, put lamp on bench, that kind of thing. Well, in this game, apart from the very basics that you absolutely need, like look and uh, movement, uh, you're limited to only one verb, and that is take. Um, only, and I, 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 I do fear to kind of give away, because, okay, the, the, the game is described when you boot it up as one joke until expiration by Amelia Panola. And it, it is kind of a, a singular interactive fiction joke that uh, if you uh, don't want the joke spoiled for you, perhaps skip forward. But I have to say that this game has a high recommendation from me. So here here it is. And I'm, I'm going to be giving away a little bit of the joke. But the joke is one that you figure out within the first move or two of the game. So I don't think that it's going to ruin the experience for you. Um, so take, in this case, does not mean get item and put it into your inventory, as it does in every other interactive fiction game that I have ever played. Take, in this case, means take in the sense of a hot take. It means write oh. some content <laughs> about the object that you are, that you are naming. Uh, and you play as some sort of futuristic gladiator who, okay, so the description says, you are battle-weary, your armor is scanty, and your countenance is loathsome. You tire of the swords flicking at your neck, but you have a duty. There is nothing you can't take. And so you are a gladiator who seems to fight entirely by writing withering takedowns of the things that she sees around her. Are you a social and, justice warrior? <laughs> I suppose one could argue for that. Um and just a hey, couple. I of, love a good hot take. All I right. know. And so, just I, to yeah. give you a couple of quick examples yeah. of what that looks like in game, like just in the very first scene, you're dropped into like your gladiatorial uh, barracks, and you're waiting for your opponent to appear. Um, and you are without a weapon, but there are many objects around you that you can take. They are all yours for the taking. And so, for example, you might say, "Take potion." You write about the act of quaffing a potion in public, what it says about you, what personal secrets you exhale with every sip. Taken. Take shield. <laughs> you write a comprehensive guide to shield use in battle. It's meant for defenders like you, but attackers will see it as well. It's more for readers. You can't care. Taken. Um, so, and, and the, the game's plot, because you're limited to only taking things, meaning like only writing about what you're seeing, the game's story progresses more or less regardless of what you do. You're, you're there to observe and write withering takedowns, and even when battle commences, you're pretty much just an observer of the story. And uh, But like you can take anything. The author has done a great job of kind of having a one or two sentence uh, take about anything you can possibly name in the scene. Um, it's not a long game. I'd say maybe 20, 30 minutes. Um, but it has a very high recommendation from me for for doing... Now, I, I don't know if this joke would necessarily work for anyone who isn't interested in and already pretty familiar with the you know world of IF. Because like the reason this take thing worked is that it's playing on take as a standard IF command in a, in a parser game. But I found it really amusing and it was funny throughout and interesting and a little bit thoughtful. And uh, there's a bit of a twist at the end that I thought was particularly neat that I won't spoil here. But um, when you finish the game, make sure to read the text that you would normally see at the end of the game where you'd see like reset 
or what have you, make sure to read that text because there's an interesting option there that led to another interesting twist at the end. So um, definitely play this game if you are into IF and... I, I don't know if I have a better way to explain it than and that. And hot takes. Yeah. If yeah, I mean, hot takes. Uh, so I think that's a good point because um, it's definitely meta to to um, interactive fiction. But the concept of, like, the hot take is so ubiquitous at this point to anyone who follows um, anything media-wise. Everyone's looking for, like, if, you, if you're on Twitter, you're aware of what, like, a take is. So I, I think it's... It's maybe a little bit more broad than just people who are looking for uh, like a meta interactive fiction jokes, but it definitely I think you're benefited by accepting sure. or, or at least laughing about it on both sides. Yeah, realizing that take did not mean take here was like I laughed out loud when I realized what it was doing with that command, and then it managed yeah. to play that single joke through the whole game and and still be amusing and interesting with it throughout. So uh, a plus on that. Glad you're here to give us your, you know, quick thoughts on this game. (laughs) (laughs) Let me create some personalized content for you. So based on your kind of experience as a hot take gladiator. um, (laughs) I consider myself a hot take gladiator. Yeah, I think we we (laughs) are. We all (laughs) inspire that. age. The Skull Embroidery is a game by Geron Pariso. Uh, You're also uh, a a warrior of sorts. And... uh, I was really drawn to this game because it's a genre that feels very classic IF to me. And it, and it's a pure dungeon crawl. And uh, the the neat thing about this game, the, the name, the skull embroidery, comes from your your main character who is a uh, awaking, you know, with amnesia, how, how classic... Um, in the middle of a forest, having just fallen off of his giant bat, um, who is as dead you do in the in the tree branches above you, um, and you're dressed in a creepy robe with some skull embroidery, uh, and so obviously there's the question of uh, what necro cult do I belong to? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, the standard the thing, next question, yeah the the play of the game. Uh, is actually really crunchy for IF, incredibly crunchy uh, for Parser IF. And there's some interesting Define crunchy. When I say crunchy, um, I mean that there are a lot of interacting systems going on. Hmm. Um, like there's a lot, a lot of rules involved, a lot of... Yeah. Um, so your actions at any given time are very simple, but every action... Um, is playing off of all these various different systems. So, like, just just to name a few, it has a hunger system, uh, it has craftable items, um, it has an action point based combat system where you can wow. learn different different new moves for both uh, attack and defense. Um, there's yeah, there's a whole lot going on. There, of course, there's there's NPCs you can interact with. Uh, there's uh, there's a complexity to the the inspection of your environment that is above and beyond what you usually would see in a game like this, where um, every time you pass through a room or look and inspect a room, which again uses action points, uh, wastes time and makes you hungry. Um, every time you do that, you have a chance of finding more and more hidden objects. There are, 
there are things that won't reveal themselves to you on first glance or even maybe 10th glance in a room. Um, the, 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 my first experience with the game was a little bit brutal, um, because I basically fought a beetle for a long time and then it killed me. And then I tried again and I fought a beetle for a really long time. And then, um, I ate a mushroom and that killed me, (laughs) but it didn't kill me fast. It poisoned me. Of course. uh, Dealing me two damage, like every second or whatever. Uh, and so I thought, oh, surely this poison will wear off. Oh, no. <laughs> but it did not. And eventually I died after having done a little bit of exploring. And I'm still working my way through the game uh, very, very early in the stages of this game. Mainly my exploration of the game at this point is about learning how the various systems work. One thing I will say for the game is that for something that's purely text-based, uh, it has some and, and has so much going on. Um, it has a really nice affordance for uh, for usability in that at any given moment, you have a list of all the different things you can do um, and how many action points they cost. Um, and although many of them are, are things you can do that are complex, like, you know, there's various different kinds of attacks. When you do an attack, you then get to pick from a, a second kind of sub list. So, you know, to do a punch might be hit to hit A and then hit one. You know, um, and you can inspect yourself and and get a lot of various stats. And you have a uh, you have a current like a status sheet that's as complex hmm. as any character sheet in any RPG. Um, yeah, it so, sounds like there's just a ton of mechanics. Yes, that it's pretty cool for a text-based game to be able to balance all that because I think yeah. normally you would have some sort of HUD, right? Or, or like some sort of menu or something where you could see all this stuff displayed. Mm-hmm. Sounds as complicated as King of Dragon Pass, but a lot more open to what you're doing. Cause you can actually click on the buttons and see what, how it's going to affect things. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm kind of just getting to the point in it where I'm kind of feeling like I've got, my hands around the systems of the game and I'm sure it's going to expand out way past, uh, what's going on. But, um, it does seem like, uh, a unique game. It's, it's a text-based dungeon crawl. And I, I thought I had seen that before, but I hadn't seen it like this. Cool. Yeah, this is, this looks, uh... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, looking at all the information about this, it looks pretty deep. I just uh, glanced at the walkthrough, which is included uh, on the IF comp page. I didn't really read through it because I may play this and don't want everything spoiled for me. But it looks like almost as in-depth as your average, uh, like a, a small game facts, game fact. Um and it looks like this game is built in Ruby. So, like, he decided to build this from scratch himself rather than build it based on an existing system like uh, like Twine or um, uh, or Inform. So, looks well, like yeah. If I had if I had one hesitation about this game, it was the fact that I had to run it in the terminal on my Mac, and I was like, I wonder, I wonder what what access this 
command line program yeah. has to my files, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I nothing nothing bad happened. So yet, so you. If guys this can, game eats your hard drive, do not blame shame. us, please. <laughs> I mean, the feature list on this was insane. I, I read it the is. description and saw the features, and then I, it said uh, you have to install some gems. And I was like, of course, if it, it every one of these features is. You're not going to get that out of the box on anything. Like no one has yeah. a hunger yeah. system and a way to level up. That's not built in Twine. That's, yeah, no that's way. Awesome. Why would it be? Why isn't it? Well, that's really cool. One of the things that I think. I mean, this is very clearly an implementation of a RPG system in an IF game to the extent where a lot of the things are dealing. You know, when it talks about damage, it talks about it in terms of. Uh, weapon dice like a d6 hmm. or a d8 um and you know there's things like critical hits and things like that so it's definitely a i felt at home as a D player in this game that's really cool Well, i know that nate's um tournament game was very uh kind of hearthstone card based so it, it's interesting that there's multiple games this year trying to map um other types of games directly onto IF. Last year I played um, some of the Baker of Shireton, but that was kind of parroting an RPG. It was as if you were actually an MMO. It was as if you were a baker in an MMO and players were coming in and out and you could break free. Very complicated. Um, But I think I find it interesting that people are kind of poking at the boundaries of how complicated something can be in words before it ceases to make any sense. <laughs> well, IF has always been like a kind of uh, had a symbiotic relationship with other game styles. Uh, you know, th- a lot of really cool ideas for game design and game narrative originate in interactive fiction and then make their way into other styles of games. I mean, look at the entire, uh, I guess, quote unquote, walking simulator genre, which I think you can really draw direct lines back to a lot of earlier work in interactive fiction. Um, but the same thing happens in reverse all the time. So um, and obviously, like interactive fiction is kind of born out of the tabletop RPG. Uh, you look back at things like adventure, but uh, it still draws a lot of its inspiration from other video games and also from you know other literature and things like that. It's always cool to see that happen. This skull embroidery, Reagan, this walkthrough is no walkthrough at all. It's literally just an explanation of how like combat works and stuff. Like I, I, I have no, I, I have no clue how large or small this game is, but it's certainly complex and he's, he's got it built out to the point where it could be, it could be infinite in size. God knows. So last but not least, I played stone Harbor by Lisa Daly, Liza Daly, probably. Uh, while we're mispronouncing everyone's name. We do love our authors, even if you butcher your handles. Apologies. Um, But the description of this game uh, talked about you play this boardwalk psychic and you are lying. It says, you're good at what you do. Tell tourists pretty lies about love, money, and life after death. That's what people want from a boardwalk psychic and you deliver. And just the way that that was phrased, I was kind of already in. Um, I thought this was going to be a game about being a con. And then it said, the curtain is opening. So I thought, maybe you're kind of getting into real stuff. It opens up, um, it's a hypertext game, which is a game where you get a single long story. By the end of the game, you could actually scroll all the way back up and read the whole thing. Um, And you click on different links, and the text will 
expand or change depending on what you've pressed. So, for example, at the beginning, um, the first way they take this in is kind of a joke. You're reading for this uh, tourist and you're guessing names that start with N. So you're like, I'm seeing an N and you click it. It's like Nancy, Ned, Nick. And he's like, Nick, my wife is <laughs> Nick is my father. And you're like, yes, Nick. So it, <laughs> every time you click, the name changes. And what they do with that mechanic later is really interesting. So a detective comes in and she wants, she's like, well, I was told to go find somebody. And you're like, oh, that was my mother. I took over her shop, you know. Um, and she's like, doesn't matter. Um, she said you should have, you know, there's this mystery happening and I think you're completely full of it. And and then she kind of throws something down on the table and it's a glove and it is suddenly you get this italic-sized, bold text. It's like an angry, frustrated glove. Um, and then when you tap it, the language changes, and it gets, you know, the description of the glove gets more intense and more intense, and then suddenly the entire screen is taken up by a full-width black-and-white image, and it has, like, a cover thing, and then you're in another memory. And when this happened, I kind of went, oh, you're a real psychic, and the way they kind of do visions is so immersive and beautiful. I was not expecting it. Um, and it kind of took the game to a new level. The premise of this game is that you're a total bullshit psychic, except you can actually feel the emotions of objects if they're intense. So you can get back to an image and the object like wants you to feel the way it's feeling. And it's that the objects we interact with that we have strong connections to start you know, feeling a bit of our emotions. So like a doll might be frightened, not because the doll is scared, but because something scary is going to happen to its owner. Or um, I don't want to give too much of a way, but it kind of gives this beautiful, melancholy, um, very empathetic feel to it. Meanwhile, you're just kind of this meat, meaty boardwalk carnival guy, <laughs> like huh. never thought you'd be in this situation. Um, and you start feeling a purpose. You start really going through the story. So um, I won't say that the mystery is the, you know, Agatha Christie novel of the century. It's a pretty straightforward mystery. And you don't really make decisions except you decide what to kind of look at and the pacing. But I think it still feels very interactive because when you choose to look at things, you choose to kind of dribble out information, things change. Like... You're describing how you found an object to a policeman, and every time you click a link, you give him a little bit more precise definition, and her face changes. Huh. So that's the type of interaction. It's clarifying. It's changing the rhythm of the game. And I think it's just a really short, lovely experience, uh, deeper than you'd think. Um, these flashbacks are all very meaningful because they're just such intense feelings. And uh, you feel great sympathy for things like cigar cutters and houses hmm. um, because it's that's what you end up connecting with in the story. And through it, you learn to kind of connect with people. It's very – I didn't expect this at all when I started reading it. Wow. That sounds really cool. Love, I love narratives that have like stuff about carnivals or uh, fortune tellers or things like that. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, and it's nice to be as – terrible psychic who actually has a little bit of real vision to it it really deepens the character yeah that's awesome guys it's shaping up to be a great contest 
Uh, it really is. Um, this year's IF comp is the biggest they've ever had. And uh, some of these are some of the most interesting things I've seen in IF comp. Um, we're going to probably be back with probably one more IF comp episode before the conclusion of... We all got to uh, get to five. So yeah, at judge. the very least. Uh, what's the date of the conclusion of the contest? I should have it here handy and I don't. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, November 15th. Thank you. So we'll probably be back with at least one more episode about other IF comp games before November 15th. And depending on how things go, we may either uh, kind of reveal our choices and and rankings that we're voting on then, or we may wait until after the results uh, are released and talk about those results uh, after the fact. Uh, but either way, we'll be coming back to you with more IF comp in a future episode. If you have uh, particular things that you've seen in this year's IF comp that we haven't covered that you liked, or if you have opinions about about the IF Comp games for this year that you want to share with us. We are eager to hear that stuff. Uh, first, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at underscore short game. Uh, or you can email us at info at the short game.net or there's a contact form on our website, www.theshortgame.net. Uh, any of those are great ways to get in touch with us. I would also throw out, um, just in the spirit of it, if you know of an interactive fiction game that you really, really enjoy it, um, and you think it would be good for us to play or talk about or whatever, let us know. I, I mean, we do this every year, but obviously this is a deep and, and very long-standing genre. I think we would all love to hear of more just great interactive fiction games. Absolutely. Particularly if you think it's something that we would uh, that you know we should cover on the show as a full episode. So um, absolutely let us know what your favorite uh, IF is. Um, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Nate, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at Nate S-T-L. And Shane, where can people find you? On that Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.